You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5 this morning is where we're going to be at Luke chapter 5. Uh, before we jump into the message, I wanted to cover some things with our church family uh, that we covered on our vision night uh, that I wanted to make you aware of as we uh, head into this new year. Uh, this year, uh, one of the goals that we have uh, for our church family is to restart our building fund. And so I'm really excited about this. We had started a building fund when we started the church back in 2013. And when we moved into this auditorium here, we basically uh, used all the money that was in our building fund to get this particular auditorium ready. And so uh, we basically zeroed out our building fund and then, and then some uh, to get moved into our new auditorium space over here. This year, we're restarting our building fund. And some people have said, what's the purpose behind it? To one day purchase our own building. We said, where will that be? I don't know, but I want to be ready when the time comes. And so uh, our uh, landlord that owns this building says that when it comes time for him to sell it, he said he'll give us the first opportunity to buy it. And so that would be a blessing if we were able to, to be prepared for something like that. So we just want to be ready uh, for whatever the Lord uh, puts in our path. Maybe one day uh, this building or another building in town. Uh, that's the goal. So to kickstart that, uh, first of all, on your giving uh, envelope every single week, you have a place to put your regular tithes and offerings, your missions giving, your building giving. Uh, you can just designate that in the building giving there. It will automatically go to the building fund. Nothing that goes into the building fund. Oh, wow, I lost my breath. Okay, there we go. Uh, when you're large like I am and out of shape, that it happens all the time. Uh, so the, uh, I lost, there we go, building fund. Uh, so anything that you mark on the building fund is going to automatically go into that building fund. And it's going to stay there. We're not going to touch that money at all. It's just going to continue to accumulate until the time comes that we're able to purchase something for our own. And so uh, pray with me, if you would, about that and ask God what your part in that is. Uh, to kind of help kickstart that, not only will we have the opportunity to give every week towards that, uh, but coming up on March the 10th, we've set aside a special building offering that day. Uh, that's about six weeks from today. We're going to take a special building offering. I'd ask everyone to do something, uh, everyone to be a part in some way, if you call who we call your church home. Uh, several folks um, in the past years had given towards this building that they were never even able to, to enjoy a service in because they gave by faith, believing one day that God would do something great. So I'd encourage you uh, to do that. If the Lord would lead you to do that, that's coming up on March the 10th. Uh, some more details on that in the weeks ahead. Luke chapter five is where we're gonna be at. We've, uh, we're continuing our series entitled Launch Out. It's our theme for the new year. Uh, launch out is the idea that we would live by faith and uh, Jesus commands Peter to launch out on faith in this passage of scripture. And we'll uh, take a look at that uh, this morning. Luke chapter five, starting in verse number one. It came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them or washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering him, said, Master, we've toiled all night long and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were on the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. They began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. 
And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Growing up as a kid, I was always a, a pretty good student. I was mostly A's and B's in just about every class that I ever took uh, with very little studying. I, didn't, I usually didn't have to study at all. I, would just, I, I was a really quick learner. I still, to this day, kind of pick things up fairly quickly without a lot of effort. Uh, but one thing was the bane of my existence as a child in school, and that was math. I was always terrible at math. Uh, so I, I would work as hard as I could possibly work in math and still get C's. I would, I would take my work home, I would study it, I would go through it again, I would, I would have other friends help me. Uh, it was always just C's though. So A, B's, C's in math. I got into uh, high school and got to geometry and I excelled in geometry, I did really well. I mean, for the first time in my life, I made A's in math and I thought, I'm a genius. And I was telling my math teacher one day, I was like, I'm doing really well in geometry, I'm making A's in this. And he said, well, you know, geometry is not really math. Oh, well, that's not really math. Like math is like algebra and calculus and stuff like that. Geometry is really just shapes in a few small formulas. And so take my bubble that was this big and burst it, and that's exactly what he did. And so I think to myself, that's fine because when I get out of high school, I'm never gonna use this again for the rest of my life, right? I don't need to know this. I don't care about this. I just have to pass the class, get it done with, and move on. And since then, I've had no need whatsoever to understand algebra or anything else like that, ever. I have a calculator app on my phone. Did you know now they have apps that you can take a picture of a formula and it'll actually scan the formula and figure it out for you? Man, where was that when I was a kid, right? <laughs> Fast forward to uh, last year, my son Vanderlei was, was being homeschooled at the time and he was taking algebra two. And I was his homeschool facilitator and it was my job to teach him algebra two. Now he had the videos he would watch online and stuff like that, but if he didn't understand, I had to help him understand it. And let me just tell you this, that didn't work out very well at all. And so I'm spending probably, he and I both uh, every day, probably two to three hours on YouTube uh, watching videos on how to do algebra equations and uh, Khan Academy and stuff like this, things that I never thought I'd have to touch ever again. Here I am uh, at 40 years old trying to figure out math again. And I still don't understand it the second time around, right? It's, it's terrible, it's awful. And I, I finally just gave up and I said, look, I'm not putting any more time into this. You can watch the YouTube videos. You can watch the Khan Academy videos. You can grind through algebra. I've already done this. I'm not gonna do it again. And so I left him to his, to his own. And I thought to myself, there's a YouTube video for everything. You wanna change your, your brakes on your car? There's a YouTube video telling you how to do that. You wanna get that light on your dash that keeps blinking to go off? There's a YouTube video to tell you how to do that. There's a YouTube video for everything under the sun. And we can do a lot of things and accomplish a lot of tasks without, with very little knowledge and very little know-how. But let me tell you this, you cannot develop faith by reading a book or watching a YouTube video. You can't grow your faith by just watching someone else do it and say, oh yeah, I think I can totally do that. Growing faith is something that takes time, effort, and resources on your part. I've entitled today's message, The Launch Out Faith growing that type of faith. Peter was able to leave his nets and follow Jesus, not knowing where he was going. How did he have that kind of faith? We're gonna take a look at that in this passage this morning. If you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do. We see, first of all, we grow our faith by hearing the word of God. If we take a look in verse number one in our passage here, Luke chapter five, verse number one. It says, it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee, they greatly des desired to hear the word of God. 
Now, when you and I think of the word of God, we think of the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's not the thoughts of God. It's not the ideas of God. It is the word of God. It's authoritative from cover to cover. It's without error from cover to cover. It is perfect. It is pure. It is unchanging. It is the word of God. In biblical times, in this case here, uh, as we see in in Luke chapter 5, they didn't yet have a completed copy of Scripture the way that you and I do. So the word of God was, get this, Jesus himself. Jesus sits down on a boat and just begins to talk, and the words that come out of his mouth are the word of God. Oh, man, that's rich. Just to be able to sit and listen to him. Have you ever had lunch with somebody or, or maybe watched a, a lecture or something like that, and as you're hearing things, you're like, this is just water to my soul. Oh, this is so good. I was listening to some preaching this weekend that I was just, I, I had to stop everything I was doing. Sometimes I'll listen to preaching while I'm working and stuff like that or, or listen to preaching while I'm writing postcards or something like that. And I was listening to preaching. I just had to stop everything that I was doing. I was just like, oh, that is so good. Oh man, that was good. If you can imagine sitting and hearing Jesus himself speak the truth of the word of God. And I can only imagine, in this case here, these people, as they hear the word of God being spoken by the word of God, John chapter one, verse number one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, the word being Jesus Christ. They're hearing Jesus, the word of God incarnate, speaking the word of God. Mind-blowing, if you can imagine. I can only imagine what that did to their faith. As all the things that they have heard in the past about a Messiah who would come. Everything that they've heard about how God would come and he would liberate his people from their sins. Now they're seeing this with their own eyes. They can only imagine how their faith began to grow. As Peter, who has worked all night in this case here and caught no fish whatsoever, he goes in, he's washing his nets, he's getting ready to go home, he's getting ready to call a day, he's getting ready to punch the clock and and head out for the day. Jesus goes up into his boat and sits down. And I can only imagine Peter like, uh, can I help you? That's my boat. Uh, and he says, hey, yeah, take this boat and push it out a little bit. I got a few things I need to say here. And Peter did it. And I can imagine Peter sitting in that boat with Jesus, just him and Jesus in the boat, hearing the word of God being spoken. I can only imagine what that would do to his faith. You and I look at something like that. I don't know about you, but I'm envious of being able to sit in a boat and hear the word of God speak the word of God, that would be incredible. But you and I, this is gonna blow your mind. You and I have more of the word of God available at our disposal than Peter would ever have in his entire lifetime. Peter did not have 66 books that were bound in a leather edition that he could carry with him everywhere. He had to listen to what God was saying through Jesus Christ. Peter would even go on to say, we have a more sure word of prophecy than hearing God's voice audibly. That's the fact that we have the word of God. You see, you and I would love to sit down and talk with Jesus for an hour. You and I would love to pick his brain for 45 minutes. But the funny thing is most of us can't sit down for more than 10 minutes and spend time in the word of God. That's a problem. But if you wanna grow your faith, you need to spend time in the word. It is the primary way to grow your faith. 
I think all of us would say in this year ahead, we want our faith to be stronger. I want to trust God more. I want to believe the promises of God really apply to me and that it's going to change my life. I want that for myself. If you want it, spend time in the word. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is important as well if you have uh, maybe unsaved family members or uh, unsaved folks that you're praying for that they'll get saved. Continue to give them the Bible. Well, the Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you might say, well, they don't believe the Bible. That's okay, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more that they hear the Bible, the more their faith has the opportunity to grow. If you do not give them the Bible, it's like depriving a plant of water. They're never gonna grow in faith if they never hear the word of God. So even if I have folks that I talk to that I'm talking about my faith with, they say, well, I'm an atheist. That's okay. Uh, I believe the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I believe that the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe what the Bible says when it says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I've been talking with folks before, well, you should have quote the Bible a lot. Yeah, it's the only thing that we have. That's why it's so important. I heard a a so-called, I'll use the word so-called Christian this week, say that the Bible was not authoritative or trustworthy. And I thought to myself, if we can't stand on the Bible, what do we stand on? Everything we know about God to be true is found in his word. If we can't stand for sure on this, we have nothing. Oh, that's bad news. I'll fix those later. At the end of the day, the only leg that we have to stand on is what we find in the word of God. It's true, it's authoritative. We're always helped by the word of God, always, 100% of the time. You want to grow in your faith? You're going to grow in your faith as you hear the word of God. Without the word of God, you and I will not have the spiritual sustenance that we need to make it on a daily basis. We're just not going to have it. You need to be in God's word every single day. You need to have some type of plan. I've known people before who just flip the Bible open wherever I open in the Bible, that's where I'm supposed to read today. That's foolish. You don't, you don't like throw in a movie and say, wherever I, the fast forward button stops, I'm just going to start right there. No, you have a plan, Right? And if you're new to reading the Bible, I, wouldn't, I would not recommend that you start in the book of Genesis and try to go to Revelation. It's going to be hard. You're going to get to a book called Leviticus. And it will take your soul if you don't know what you're reading. I usually recommend folks start, you can't go wrong by starting the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus, who he is, and why he came. If you're going through a time of transition or if you're going through a time of difficulty or trouble or you could just use some encouragement, there's no better place to read in the entire Bible than the book of Psalms. It is the go-to when you are struggling in the Christian life. If you're taking notes right out to the side, my go-to is the book of Psalms, right there, because it's really important. Because you're gonna go through a tough time and one of these days you're gonna just flip the Bible open and you're gonna try to read uh, something like in First Chronicles and you're gonna be like, I don't even know what I'm reading here. The Bible has everything that you need. And let me just tell you this. If you know what you're looking for in the Bible, First Chronicles will help you, I promise you that. The Bible says that all scripture is given by God for our benefit. Every single bit of it is there for a reason and it's all good. But we're always helped by the word of God. Next, we find truth in the word of God. We 
we live in a society today where truth is kind of a relative thing. Well, that might be true for you, but it's not necessarily true for me. I'm glad you found something that is true for you, but what's true for me is something different. We live in a society today where our truth paradigm is shaped by mass media. The news tells you what's true and what's not true. And it shapes whatever narrative they want it to tell. And, and again, I don't like to, I was talking with somebody the other day and I said, I hate this because I sound like a conspiracy theorist who wants to have everybody wear a tinfoil hat and don't look into the TV because they're trying to program your brains and stuff like that. I know I sound crazy when I say this, but just know this, society today is trying to program our children to believe their system that they have set up. My, my kids were watching a, a cartoon, it was like six months ago. And the kid goes, uh, oh, can I come over and, and to your house tonight? It's a cartoon. Can I come over to your house and, and spend the night? He says, I don't know. Let me ask my two dads. And I thought to myself, just stop. Just stop. Just something as simple as that thrown in to a 10-year-old wants to normalize them that that's okay. This is a normal paradigm for families. And it's something as simple as that. It's just a small seed that's planted in a 10-year-old's brain that they will grow up thinking that these things are okay. The Bible tells us what's true. And you say, well, that's a hateful thing to say. It has nothing to do with hate whatsoever. It has everything to do with being biblical. And I say this with as much love as I can in my heart. God's way is always best. And when you or I or anyone else chooses on purpose to violate God's plan, we're setting ourselves up for destruction. And I say that in a very loving way that when I step outside of God's clearly revealed boundaries in scripture, me, I'm not talking about anybody else. When I step outside of God's clearly defined boundaries in scripture, I put myself in the way of destruction every single time. So when I see someone that I know that I love step outside of God's boundaries that are found in scripture, I know that they're headed for destruction and I wanna help them avoid it has nothing to do with hate. It has everything to do with loving people enough to tell them the truth. God's word is truth. Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Next week, we we find power in the word. Let me just tell you this. You do not have the capability in your own power to live the Christian life. You need help. You couldn't obey God if you wanted to. You couldn't live what it requires the Christian life on your own if you, if you had to. You need a couple of things. You need the Holy Spirit of God inside of you to teach you, to train you, to guide you. And you need the word of God to point you in the right direction every single time. And so the word of God provides us truth. It provides us the power that we need to live. Hebrews chapter four, verse number 12, for the word of God is quick. That word quick means alive. It's a living book. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing, asunder of soul and spirit, to the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that it, it shows me an x-ray of my heart. And it shows me what's wrong, what's right, how to fix what's wrong, and how to stay right with God. The Bible is meant to be a mirror to show me how messed up I am. The Bible is meant to be a guidebook, an instruction book to show me how to live this life because I can't do it on my own. The Bible is the power that I need. 
For us as Bible-believing Christians, this book is everything to us, everything. That's why when you come to who we call a Baptist church, every single time we will open God's word and I will tell you what it means and how you should live your life by it every single time, bar none. There'll never be a Sunday where you come here that we don't open the Bible, that we don't read a passage of scripture and we don't talk about it, ever. Because that's what the job of the church is, to teach Christians the Bible, to reach non-Christians with the Bible, and to help everyone that's a part of this body to live by the Bible every single day. If you take away this book from the church, we are no longer a church. If you take the word of God away from us, we have no faith at that point. And if I'm not preaching and teaching the word of God, we should all just pack up and go home because I heard there's a football game on today. That's what I heard. I don't know anything about it, but what I hear at least. Power is found in the word of God. Secondly, we see in this passage here that we grow in our faith by proving God. <laughs> As a kid, uh, oftentimes we would, uh, I, I went to public school and I would ride the bus to and from school. I learned the uh, best things and worst things I'd ever learned in my entire life on the bus. Uh, and so, uh, the bus is just, uh, oh man, it's a, it's a den of Satan, I believe. Uh, it's what, at least it was for me, that's for sure. But all the, usually probably once a month on the way home from school, we would begin to talk about how tough our dads are and how smart our dads were. My dad's tougher than your dad. Or my dad's smarter than your dad. Well, my dad has more money than your dad has. My dad has a car that's faster than your dad's car. And we would get in these, these arguments and finally somebody would come down and say, yeah, well, let's prove it. Okay, fine. I'm gonna to talk to my dad. He's gonna meet your dad tomorrow at the parking lot behind the church and they're gonna throw down. Okay, fine. Yeah, my dad will be there. <laughs> Prove it, right? Put up or shut up. Here's the funny thing about God. When God makes promises, he has no problem whatsoever proving his promises, ever. It's okay for you to call God out on his promises. God, you promised in your word that if I cried out that you would hear me and I ask you to open your ears up because I got something to say. God's okay with that. God, you promised in your word if I ask, seek, and knock that I'm gonna find it. And I just want you to tell you, I'm asking, seek, and knocking, and I really wanna find your heart on this. God has no problem being called out on his promises. He wants you to prove him. He wants you to put him to the test. Now, we can take this to an unhealthy extreme, which many false religion have, and say, well, you can command God to do stuff. Let me just tell you this, you couldn't tell God to do nothing. False teaching churches uh, that are known as word of faith churches say, if you speak something, God is obligated to fulfill it. So I'm sick today, all I have to say is I am healed and God is obligated to heal me automatically because I have said it and it must come to pass. That's false teaching. That's not found anywhere in scripture. Timothy was sick, and you know what Paul said to Timothy? Take your medicine and get some rest. That's what he said. He didn't declare him healed. He didn't tell him to declare himself healed. Foolishness that's found in this word of faith movement says, if you're broke, you need to rebuke your brokenness and say that you're rich. You know, well, I've only got $2 in my checking account. No, you need to say, I've got $2,000 in my checking account, and it's gonna be there. Okay, let's give that a shot, right? Guess what? I still can't get money out of the ATM, right? That doesn't work. That's not biblical. But I can say, God, you say in Hebrews eleven six 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please you. 
And I'm coming to you in faith today, believing that you're good to your word. And God, you promised in Hebrews eleven six 6, that those that seek you, that you will reward them. And God, I'm asking you to bless my faith through this. And God says, gotcha. I got you through this. You can call God out and God wants to be proved. God, you said I could step out on faith and you'd take care of me and this is me stepping out on faith and I'm just gonna trust you. God, you said in your word in in Acts chapter one, verse number eight, that the Holy Spirit is gonna give me the power to be a witness for you and I'm gonna go tell my coworker today about you and I'm terrified. Would you give me the power that I need to go? And God says, I got you. I'll totally give you that kind of power. That's what I mean by proving God. God, you say in your word that we're commanded to give. I can't figure out financially how I should give, but I'm gonna trust you and believe that I'm gonna give by faith and you're gonna provide for every need that I've ever had. God, I give to you today out of worship and of faith because I love you. God's gonna meet that 100% of the time because God is faithful to his promises. We see that God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, Paul says this, if we believe not, yet he abide faithful, he cannot deny himself that when you and I aren't faithful, God's always faithful. When our faith wavers a little bit, God's faith never wavers and his faithfulness never wavers. He's always good, he's always faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9, know you therefore that the Lord God, he is God, he is a faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faith by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friend, you wanna grow in your faith? Step out on faith. You wanna see God increase your faith? You can't do it until you take the first step. And let me just tell you, if you take the first step, God is gonna be with you every other step along the way. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. That's a promise. And if I take a step of faith out towards God, he's gonna meet my faith every single time. But we can't grow faith by sitting back hoping that our faith grows. This day at the Sea of Galilee, I don't know how many people were sitting along the shoreline listening to Jesus preach, but I bet there was a lot. One person got in the boat, one person pushed out, one person dropped his net, one person left and followed Jesus, other people didn't. It took a step of faith. It requires us to live a life of faith. And sometimes people say, well, how can I grow my faith if I don't have faith? You trust in the promises of God's word. God said it and I believe it. I'm taking God at his word. You see, faith in God's faithfulness grows our faith. I know that's a mouthful. Faithfulness, faith in God's faithfulness grows our faith. Lamentations 3, it's the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I think if all of us, if I asked you this morning, do you believe that God is faithful? I believe you'd say, yeah, of course I believe God's faithful. If I asked you this week how you've lived by faith in the last seven days, I hope you'd have an answer for me. Well, I shared my faith. Well, I, I, I asked God for something big this week. I asked God to use me this week to accomplish his will. I asked God for faith to trust him more. I asked God for the faith to be faithful in reading the Bible. Hey, some of you this morning showed up to church by faith. And I want you to know that's a big step for you and I'm super proud of you, but don't stop there. 
Some of you said, hey, I know I got some stuff going on today, but I really believe it's important to go to church. Some people are here at this church for the very first time saying, I don't know anything about this church other than maybe what I've read on the internet or what a friend's told me, but I'm just gonna show up anyways and expect God to speak to my heart. Hey, that's an awesome step of faith and I'm super pumped for you, but don't stop there. I wanna push on to the next step. I wanna continue to grow in my faith every single day. You see, God meets our faith 100% of the time. Again, I feel the need to quantify this by saying God meets our faith 100% of the time according to his plan. Again, I have heard with my own ears false teaching pastors say things like, I know you don't know how you're gonna pay your rent this month, but just put your rent check in the offering basket and God's gonna cover everything. Let me just tell you, don't ever do that, ever. God also gave you the sense to put together a budget too, okay? Think about that for a minute. And let me just tell you this for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit pause for a second here and to help you with something. God doesn't need your money. God's not broke. God wants your heart, and our heart many times are attached to the things of this world. And yes, God commands us to give, but he commands us to give out of worship because I love him because he's so good to me, because he's given me so much and I get the opportunity to give back to him to advance his kingdom. And every dollar that's given here to who we call a Baptist church goes to advance the kingdom of God. It keeps the lights on, it helps us print tracts, it helps us support missionaries, it helps us to get the job done. And I give because I love the Lord, not because somebody coerced me into it, not because I think that if I, if I put $100 in the offering basket, God's gotta give me 1,000 back this week. It doesn't work that way. So when I step out on faith, God always meets my faith every single time in accordance with his plan. And again, we don't have faith in God so that God will give us something. We have faith in God because God's faithful. Again, motives matter to God. We don't, we don't, God is not some big ATM up in the sky that if we punch the right buttons, just money rains out. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to coerce God into doing what we want him to do. Oh, my, my mom's got cancer, and if I do the right things, maybe God will heal her. No, God's gonna do what God wants to do. I just have to have faith to trust him. And know this, when God doesn't heal my mom that has cancer, I need to still trust him anyways that he's always good and he's working for my good and for his glory. I need to ask God, how can you glorify yourself through this situation right now? Because I trust you. That's faith, folks. And I've got to grow in that kind of faith. It doesn't come naturally. Faith comes from being put in very uncomfortable situations and growing that way. And God wants to grow your faith, but it requires that you trust in him. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you shall call upon me, you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. I was talking with a, a man this past week, uh, stopped by, we had, some, we had coffee, awesome story that he had. Um, good looking guy, you know, looks super fit, super healthy. Began to talk to him, come to find out uh, a year ago he had uh, lymphoma cancer. Uh, he said, he thought I was gonna die. He said, I went through chemotherapy, I lost all my hair, I lost tons of weight. Uh, he said, I, I didn't know if I was gonna live or not. He just got married, um, didn't know what was gonna happen with his life. And he said, and I just began to, to pray and ask God, 
to heal me, first of all, but if he wasn't going to heal me, I asked that God would strengthen me and allow me to be a light for him. And he said, God brought me through it. He said, I have a, I have a scan this week on my cancer uh, to see the last scan I had, 100% gone. He said, I'm praying this, this week it's the same thing. But he said, if the cancer comes back 100%, he goes, I'm okay with that because God has given me so much through this process. And I thought to myself, dude, if 50% of Christians in America could get what you're talking about right here, we'd be golden, golden. That walking with God doesn't take away all of your problems. Later this year, we're uh, gonna go through a, a study on suffering. <laughs> I know that sounds like a really exciting thing to come on a Sunday morning to hear, right? But hey, read the Bible. The Bible is not a story of health, wealth, and prosperity. Did you know that the majority of the New Testament books that were written by Paul were written from Paul in prison? He was locked up for his faith. And you know what he said in those epistles? Oh, it's terrible serving Jesus. Feel sorry for me. This no, he didn't. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in you concerning Christ Jesus. That's what he said. He said, hey, I'm going through a rough spot, but things are awesome. Don't feel sorry for, for poor old Paul over here. He's doing just fine. Poor old Paul's worried about you because you need to get your life right, right? But if you read the Bible, the Bible is the story of the suffering of God's people from cover to cover. But the story is in the midst of our suffering, Jesus is always greater. That's the entire story of the Bible. That life is hard, but Jesus is greater. Life is difficult, but Jesus is greater. You'll go through some crummy times, but Jesus is always greater. And your suffering is only for a moment because one of these days you'll see Jesus Christ face to face and every single thing that you went through will totally be worth it. That's the story of the Bible. And unfortunately, we live in a society today where people don't want to come and hear a six-week sermon series on suffering. They want to hear six weeks on how to live happy and how God's going to pay your bills and how you're going to get that new car that you've always wanted and how every time you come out for promotion, you're going to get the promotion. But that's not life. And you know what that does when people come and hear messages like that? They feel like God lets them down. That guy just said I needed to declare myself healed and I'd be healed, but I'm still sick. That guy said I need to declare that I didn't lose my job, but that I still have a job, but I really got fired. And so maybe God let me down. Maybe I let God down. Maybe this whole Christian thing isn't for me. That type of, of false teaching turns people away from God. But when you hear people say, life is hard, but Jesus is greater, that gives me hope that regardless of how bad this gets, how dark the night becomes, that there's always a light that shines greater in that darkness, and his name is Jesus. And I can latch on to that, and I need that understanding so that I can grow my faith. And unfortunately, we live in a society today where people get down, discouraged, and they don't know where to find hope. And at the end of their hopelessness, they try to find help in a, a bottle. They try to find a, a help in pills. They try to find help in sexual relationships that do not fulfill. And when they can't find that, they find hope at the end of a gun barrel or a rope that they tied to the closet because there's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. So I want us Christians to understand in the midst of our suffering, we always have hope. And friend, if you're here today and you've lost hope, please talk to me because I'm gonna point you to the greatest source of hope that you've ever found in your entire life and his name is Jesus and he will never let you down and he's faithful 100% of the time. 
But know this, life is tough, but God is greater. And when you go through these times of difficulty, know this, this is God growing your faith. Hey, look, if I want to get physically stronger, one of my goals this year is to get physically stronger. I'm not gonna get physically stronger by sitting on the couch, watching Netflix and eating Oreo cookies, right? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh, man, can you imagine? No, you know what's gonna help me to get stronger? Getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and going to the gym at 6 a.m. and lifting heavy stuff. That's gonna help me get stronger, lifting heavy stuff. Well, what about the days you don't wanna lift heavy stuff? You lift heavy stuff anyways if you wanna get stronger. Well, I wanna grow in my faith. Guess what? You've gotta lift the heavy stuff. Well, I don't wanna go through hard times. I just wanna like coast a little bit. You'll never grow strong in your faith by coasting. When life comes for you, and it will come for you, you have to lean hard into your faith like you never have before. And that's gonna be the strength that you have to carry you through this process. Your faith Final thought this morning, we grow our faith by trusting in Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, let me get into your ship. He says, okay. Peter, push out a little bit, okay. Peter, launch out into the deep, okay. Peter, drop down your net. We hadn't caught anything all night, but okay. And then he begins to pull up most fish he's probably ever seen in his entire life at one time. And then, after this massive haul of fish, what does he say? Peter, leave all that stuff behind and come follow me. And you know what Peter said? Okay. It's this process that we go through of trusting God in the small things and seeing our faith grow. Now, again, I wish my faith and your faith could grow like Peter's in just like one afternoon, right? One morning, Peter went from, uh, you know, toiling all night, catching nothing, to walking with Jesus the next day. I wish it could work, walk, work like that for us that in a matter of a couple of hours, our faith would just grow exponentially. But for us, it's gonna be more of a day-to-day kind of faith. That I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, decide to live for Jesus, be in the word, live by faith tomorrow, and then I'm gonna wake up on Tuesday, and I'm gonna spend time in the word, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna live by faith on Tuesday, then Wednesday, and do that every single day. For how long? For the rest of my life. Every day. When do we get to stop living by faith? The day that we get to see Jesus face to face? Here's what the Bible says. The moment that we see Jesus, the Bible says that our faith will become sight. When we get to heaven, we won't need faith anymore because everything that we've thought of will be evident to us and it'll be right there before us. I don't have to have faith in Jesus. I can see with my own eyeballs. I don't have to trust that it's all gonna work out because Jesus is here and he's gonna make everything work out. I won't need faith when I get to heaven, but until then I need faith every single day from here on out. We believe that Jesus is good to his word. Again, we believe that we can trust him. <laughs> and the Lord, he, he it is that doeth good, that doeth go, doth go before thee. He'll be with thee, he'll not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. He's faithful. But here's another great truth. Our joy increases in proportion to our obedience. Again, we get God wrong when we think, if I obey God's word, then he's gonna give me all the stuff that I want. If I obey God's word, he's gonna give me the promotion. If I obey God's word, he's gonna give me all the money that I need. If I obey God's word, he's gonna bless me. If, he's, if I obey God's word, I'm not gonna get sick. My kids are not gonna get sick. 
we misunderstand who God is. My, I remember probably 10 years ago, my daughter had gotten very sick. I won't, go, I won't go through all the details. I've told the story a hundred times here before, but my daughter got very sick. And I remember thinking to myself, when the doctor told us what he thought my daughter had, I remember in my mind thinking to myself, God, this is how you repay me. I decided I want to serve you with my life. I give you everything that I have, and this is what I get. You know what happened? I had a misconception as far as who God was. God doesn't say, just follow me, and, and everything's going to work out, and you'll never have problems. No, no, no. But God does promise this. This is a great promise, and I want you to latch on to this. When we obey God's word, we always have joy. And joy I can have despite my circumstances. You see, happiness is based on good circumstances. Happiness is my bills are paid, my kids are healthy, uh, everything's good. It's a Friday night, I don't have to work. I'm happy, this is good. But it's based on my circumstances. Because it's Friday night and I do have to work, and it's Friday night and my kids are sick, and it's Friday night and I'm sick and I still gotta go to work. Guess what? I'm not happy anymore. But joy lasts. Joy doesn't matter about your circumstances. Joy says, my account's overdrawn by $500 and I don't get paid for two weeks, but God's so good. Joy says, I'm sick as a dog, but I have 101 reasons to praise God today. Joy says, I'm late for work and my car won't start, but at least I woke up this morning and I still have a job. That's what joy says. Joy says, I don't need anything other than Jesus. And let me just tell you this. When you obey, you always find God's joy from knowing that you're doing the right thing, that you're following the Lord. And, and again, you might not always have the blessings that, the, that the, this world says you should have as far as being rich and being prosperous. But let me just tell you this. You'll have joy which outlasts all of those other things. Our faith increases the more that we exercise it. Faith is a muscle the more that you use it, the stronger it gets. The less you use it, the more it atrophies. And if you are not practicing faith, it will wither and die. There have been times in your life, I know it, that you have trusted God and believed God so much that you truly believed he could do anything in the world that you were willing to put 100% faith and assurance in God and you were willing to just pray and go to bed and sleep like a baby because you knew that God had it handled. And then there's other times where you fret about everything. You pray half-hearted prayers like, God, I know you could probably do this, but you're probably gonna take a while, so I'm gonna try to, to fix this on my end while you're still working on your end, right? Hey, God, I know you could probably do this, but you're not gonna do it, so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully maybe you'll bless what I'm doing here and it'll all work out. Or maybe you just don't even pray, you just go to work doing what you can do. What's the difference? The difference, one, one is living by faith. God, you got this, I'm not gonna sweat this. There's been times in my life where I've been going through the deepest trials I've ever experienced in my entire life, and I was able to pray and sleep like I've never slept before. That comes from faith, knowing that God's in charge of all this, that I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to be the architect of the solution. I just have to give it over to the one who's in charge of everything. And that increases our faith as we exercise it. Three final thoughts on how we increase our faith. First of all, mega dose on the word of God. Every single day, be in the Bible every single day. <laughs> Download an app to your phone, get a Bible reading schedule. While you're standing in line somewhere, spend some time in the Word. Man, if you're you know, stuck in traffic, for heaven's sakes, there's a, the apps you can download, you can get the audio Bible. 
Back in the day, you had to buy an audio Bible on tapes, and you had to rewind the tapes, and you had to switch out the tapes, and now you just download an app and listen to the Bible. Like, listen to the Bible. The more that you hear the word, the more your faith will grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And again, I'm just gonna help you with this. We have three different times throughout the week, especially that we teach the Bible. Sunday mornings, which you're hearing this morning. Sunday night, tonight, we're taking a look at the book of Galatians. Totally different message tonight at five o'clock. So if you hear the Bible this morning and you hear it tonight, it's twice in a week that you'll hear the Bible. On Wednesday nights, we're studying through the book of James. On Wednesday nights in our connect groups here, come and study the book of James with us and it'll increase your faith. I promise you that. That's three times. Uh, we also have a group that meets on Tuesday night in Kaneohe. They're studying through the book of Psalms there. We have our single adults on Friday nights. If you're an adult and you're not married on Friday nights, you can join our single adults there. I'm talking like, hey, if you came three times a week for 52 weeks, it's 150 times throughout the year that you'll hear the word of God. Think about what that'll do to your faith. Consequently, if you attend every other Sunday morning, you'll hear the Bible about 25 times throughout the year, as opposed to the person who's hearing 150. The more that I hear the Bible, the more that I'm helped by it. For me, in addition to spending, uh, you know, 20, 30 hours a week in study and preparation for messages every single week, in addition to that, I listen to preaching myself. Uh, I love hearing the, God's word preached. I watch, uh, I listen to podcasts. I watch videos online. I love to hear preaching because I know preaching helps me. But I start off my day every single day at 5 a.m. opening the Bible. Open the Bible, spend time in prayer at 5 a.m. every single morning without fail because I need that. I need my faith to grow. I don't want to stay stagnant. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to continue to grow. Mega dose on the word of God. Next, when God challenges you to live by faith, just do it. What if I'm scared? Do it anyways. What if I don't know how it's going to work out? Do it anyways. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't have all the answers. And just know this, if you had all the answers and you knew how everything would work out, that's not faith. That's figuring it out in advance. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not a matter of what I can see or what I can figure out. It's about trusting God for the things that I don't understand. And I believe that God is faithful. And so I'm gonna live by faith every single day. Lastly, pray for opportunities to grow your faith. I wanna continue to grow in my faith, so God give me opportunities this week to grow my faith. Now, let me just tell you this. If you pray a prayer like that, I, I guarantee you God's gonna answer that prayer. God, give me an opportunity to grow my faith. Okay, great. And you're gonna get put in a situation that maybe you didn't want. You're gonna be given an opportunity that maybe you didn't ask for. But guess what? This is your opportunity to grow by faith. I had somebody last Sunday ask me, hey, pray for me. I'm planning on uh, uh, sharing my faith with a coworker this week. And I, man, I prayed Monday morning that, that God would give this person boldness. He sent me a text and said, hey, I sent an email today and I said, hey, I'd love to have you be my guest at church. And I believe it was favorably received. I thought, Praise God for that. That was faith in action. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm just going to trust God with it. And let me just tell you this, the more that you show faith, the more that God's going to meet your faith with his provision every single time. But it requires faith on your part. Take the first step. Most important thing in the world, though, is knowing for sure that you have the faith that saves your soul. You see, we are born at odds with God. We are born enemies with God. And the default destination for everyone born on planet Earth is automatically you're sent to hell because of your sin. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That every single one of us, when we die, will meet God face to face. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Every single person in this room will stand before God one day and you'll have to give an account for your life. And it's not gonna be how good of a person you were. 
It's not going to be what good works did you do. The question is, what did you do with Jesus? You see, you're supposed to die for your sin. I'm supposed to die for my sin. But God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. Jesus came and died for my sins and he died for yours so that we can be forgiven. It's the only hope that you have of heaven. When you die, you're either gonna go to heaven or hell. There's no middle place, there's no purgatory. We can't pray for you to get out of hell. When you die, it's over and done with. Once your soul is judged, it's done. But there is a way before you die that you can make a reservation for heaven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Jesus died in your place, but it requires you to accept that payment on your account. You must say, God, I believe that I've sinned against God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus to save me. And the moment that you do that, the Bible says that you're forgiven, that you're saved, that you're born again. And that's really important because Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And so you need to know for sure before you leave here today that your sins are forgiven and the heaven is your home. If you're here today, you don't know for sure that that is your, the case for you. There'll be an opportunity in, the, in a moment for you to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. I'd highly recommend that. But for those of us who've already received Christ as savior, we would call ourselves Christians today. Faith is just a default for us. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so today you get the opportunity to live by faith. Tomorrow you get the opportunity to live by faith. And the day after that, and the day after that, and we get to live every day by faith. Husbands, let me talk to you for a minute. It's your job, your responsibility to lead your family by faith, to lead the way. If you have children, moms and dads, it's your opportunity, your responsibility to lead your children by faith, to teach them what the faith life looks like. There's been times where we've had to sit our kids down and say, hey, mom and dad don't know what's gonna happen in this situation, but we know that God's good and we're gonna trust him through this. That's an opportunity to teach our children to live by faith. It's a responsibility that we have. But I guarantee you this, in the next 24 hours, you're gonna have the opportunity to live your faith out in a tangible way. And I wanna challenge you to take this step because it's always worth it. The faith life is the best life for sure.